a good move. Why you dancing? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 4, Episode 7, Global Grilling. No, no, no! My father's amateur porno! I love you, Dad! And all those money shots! Global Grilling making its television debut on November 12th, 2006. In this episode, Shake purchases an environmentally unfriendly grill. Not the first time that an episode of Aqua Teen is based around a purchase that Shake has made, because it's always such a fun concept to play with. This is definitely an episode I saw back around the time that it aired. I'll get more into that in our Adult Swim lineup. And it's always one I kind of wrote off. I always had specific memories of this one that I just didn't like for some reason. Like when I saw it, I remember thinking it was okay, but I never wanted to rewatch it. So rewatching it for this podcast, I could see how much of a freaking dummy I am because, spoilers, This one's a fun time. This episode is very special effects heavy. I was really impressed watching it back for the podcast. And because of that, I just had to reach out to Josh Molinax and Nate Cherney, both of the animators and compositors who worked on this one. They have some great info for us here. I also reached out to Aqua Teen's art director, Bob Pettit, about this one. As always, Bob has some great information, but he also supplied us with an amazing artifact from back when this episode was made. So we'll get into that and so much more. But of course, we've got some other stuff to talk about first. This is our first episode of 2024. It's good to be here. Another year of talking teens ahead of us. I can just see it now. What a time to be alive. You got any You got any resolutions? Let me tell you, coming up on the podcast this year, for the Moon Masters, the supporters of this podcast, we're going to be doing some watch parties. I'm going to be getting that into a monthly rotation. Also this year, I'm going to be streaming Aqua Teen Hunger Force Zombie Ninja Pro-Am, the 2007 Aqua Teen game. Never played it before. I'm finally going to stream it, and then we'll do some sort of episode about it after I've played it. So uh, we'll talk about that when that comes up and I start doing that. I'm planning to start making more stickers again this year. I didn't really make any last year, but uh, we'll get back on that this year. All sorts of stuff ahead of us in terms of upcoming interviews. I've got Aqua Teen artists and animators Matt Jenkins and Todd Redner on the line to set things up with them. Very excited for the year ahead of us. Taking a step back from that, uh, how, how was your holidays? Did you get what you wanted? Get any good presents? My wife got me a really cool light-up meat wad, a figurine you can put on your desk. I love it. It's so, uh, as the kids say, kawaii. I really like it. Maybe you got some cool Aqua Teen stuff this year. It was really surprising. I didn't expect to get any Aqua Teen-related stuff, but it's nice that my wife did that, you know. I don't know how she found out that I like Aqua Teen. I don't know which one of you fucking snitched to her about it, but... She found out we had a long, long discussion. We had some marriage counselors come in 
And she's okay with the fact that I like Aqua Teen now, and she even got me a little light-up meat wad. Thanks, Hannah. So with that out of the way, let's move on to our Aqua Teen news this week. Uh, there's really no news this week. Uh, in, in case you were sleeping, I know we didn't do many regular episodes the past month and a half, but... About end of November, we had some new Aqua Teen episodes coming out. The season is now over with those five new episodes. You can watch them on, on Max, or you could even buy them on Amazon. So five new Aqua Teen episodes we had at the end of last year. I enjoyed them. Personally, I felt like as it went on, they got better and better, which is to kind of be expected, right? The gang's all back together making normal episodes, and they were really getting into a groove, it felt like, and then... That's it. No more episodes. It was only five. Hopefully, they did well enough that they could make more. I don't know anything. I have not spoken to Matt or Dave since those episodes came out. So I'll when I reconnect with them, maybe they could clue us in on to what's going on. I do want to urge you to watch those episodes because I will be reaching out to the guys to do an episode about the new season. So you'll want to have seen it so you know what the heck we're talking about. But something that I realize I probably should talk about from the new season is the fact that the episode I got to be in, the fourth one, Get Lit Upon a Sit Upon, of course, that one came out. And I figured maybe I should talk about it. Let me explain. Like, from my own perspective, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that. That's just me talking about myself. And that I don't, I don't like to do that a whole lot on the podcast. But I'm like, you know what? Maybe being in an episode of Aqua Teen is appropriate to talk about on a podcast about Aqua Teen Hunger Force. J just a hunch that you might be interested in this. So in case you don't know, I did put out an episode in July of 2023 on this podcast feed detailing up until that point, like kind of what I could tell you about doing that line. But of course, when I did that back in July, the episode was not out yet. So first of all, I did get paid for that. I got paid back in uh, September of, of 2023. And there was some problems with my paperwork, which is why I didn't get paid in a timely manner. But once I brought it up to them that like, hey, I haven't gotten a paycheck yet, they were very quick to to rectify that. So I did get paid for that. I did get the beautiful Telecaster that I was talking about back in that podcast episode in July. I mean, I had to. What's what's more Aqua Teen than spending your paycheck on a guitar? That That's what the show raised me to want to do. So jumping to the night that the episode premiered, I was I was excited for it, but also nervous because I was like, ah, I don't know if I really want to hear myself in that episode. But I worked that Sunday night as I do every Sunday night, which actually was good because I don't have cable at my house, but we have cable at work. So I'm like, cool, I could watch it there on my break. So the time rolls around. I'm like, all right, I'll head up to my break. I walk my ass all the way up there. There's nobody in the break room, like, perfect, because I usually watch Aqua Teen completely in the nude, so I was able to take off all my clothes, get naked, and then I turn on the, the channel to Adult Swim, because I've watched Adult Swim at work before, and I get greeted with a beautiful little box that says, this channel is not included in your current package. So Target fucking cheaped out on the cable subscription right when I needed it the most. So I couldn't watch the episode live, which was a huge bummer. But you know what? It's like, what can I do about it, right? It's not like I had cable at home. I don't know anybody else that lives here that has cable. So put my clothes back on. And I just get back to work and say, whatever, I'll take my break later, maybe once people have seen the episode. And as it's airing, 
The love comes pouring in over on the Discord. If you would like to join the Dancing is Forbidden Discord, link in the description to this episode. Lots of running crew over there were catching it live and had very nice things to say. So I'm like, all right, the running crew says it's good. Matt and Dave said it was good. I guess whatever I did that they used on that episode was good. Because, of course, again, I I hadn't seen it. So I didn't know what take of mine they used. I didn't know anything. It was just out of my hands. So eventually when I took my lunch at like one in the morning, so just a few hours after the episode aired, I, of course it's not on Max yet, but I checked Amazon and it was up there. So I just bought the episode for like three bucks. That's right. Look, when you do a voice of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, you can afford a $3 Amazon purchase. So I bought it and I watched it on my break. And when it came to the part that I did... I'm not going to lie. I just kind of cringed watching it. I was like, oh my God. Like you think doing a podcast and having hundreds of hours of my voice out there that I would be okay with hearing my own voice, but that wasn't the case. I was just like, oh Jesus. But the episode I really liked. Again, I was really excited to see how that episode turned out having the script. I thought it turned out very good. I was delighted to see that Gary Anthony Williams was the sit upon voice And in case you don't know, he also plays Uncle Ruckus on the Boondocks, which is a character that has just lived in my head rent-free for the past almost 20 years. This character is just so batshit deranged that I was delighted to see that he was also in the Sit Upon episode and that I got to, to be on that episode with him. And also, of course, the three voices of my childhood, Dana, Dave, and Carrie. But yes, very surprised, I think, that they picked the Minnesotan accent that they had me do as as the take for that because i thought that was probably the weakest so that just goes to show what i know uh, which is nothing but i had never done a minnesotan accent before so it's so funny because my friend who is a native minnesotan he he loved it first of all he wasn't like knocking me but he's like it sounds like an australian person trying to do a minnesotan accent like yes you're so you're so right and i think that's the best way to describe it Come on, man, you must have some syrup back there. What kind of pancake store is this? Yeah, we're all out. That guy got it all. So I'll end the story there. I'll talk way more about this when we cover Get Lit Upon a Sit Upon in approximately 47 years on this podcast feed. But I do want to say I am just eternally grateful to the supporters of this podcast who are really the reason that it's still around and that I got to do that. And of course, so thankful to you for listening, because if nobody listened to this, there'd be no reason to do it. And I want to shout out Captain Buford, longtime supporter of this show, because over on Twitter, he said something to the effect of how, in his mind, I was in that episode kind of representing the podcast, but also the community around the podcast and everybody who listens to it. And that's exactly how I felt, because if it wasn't for the podcast, I couldn't have done that. Dave and Matt certainly didn't pick me for my acting chops. I also want to add that I am definitely planning to make some stickers of the grocery clerk character I played. And over on the Discord, UWF is asking for Prince, so I can I can do that too. I can do Prince. I'm not your woman. I'm not your man. I am something that you'll never understand, and I can do stickers and make prints. So moving on from that, I do want to let you know I was recently on the Swimcast, which is a long-running Adult Swim fan podcast. It's been around since like 2007, maybe? 
I don't know, a long time, but uh, it was really cool to get on there. It's ran by John Galbo, who has been running uh, Aqua Teen and Adult Swim fan sites since like the early 2000s. So it was such a treat to get on there with him and Trish and Jason. And we just talked really all about Aqua Teen, its effect on our lives, and it was a lot of fun. So go check that out. Link in the description. That is the Swimcast. So before we jump into our pop culture section for the week that Global Grilling came out, I actually have some info about the previous episode we covered, Party All the Time, because Nate Cherney, again, one of Aqua Teen's animators and, and compositors, special effects guys, he saw that I covered that episode and he reached out to me with some additional information. And this kind of pertains to the interview I just did with Nate and Josh uh, here on the podcast feed just a couple episodes ago because Nate and Josh mentioned how sometimes Matt and Dave would have to pull them back from some of the jokes they would try to add to these episodes. And Nate gave us a beautiful example of that. So Nate said... I just saw your most recent episode was on party all the time, and I have a story I wish I could have shared because it tied into our discussion of having a lot of creative freedom on the show. There was a shot in the episode where the camera pans over and zooms in on a picture on the wall with Frylock, Meatwad, and Shake with their arms around each other. I thought it would have captured the dark humor of the episode if in the photo, Frylock fades away, similar to Marty's photo of his siblings in Back to the Future. When we showed it to Dave, it made him laugh, but he still told me to take it out because it was way too dark. That was one of the few times he told me to reel it back. So that's what Nate had to say about Party All the Time, and that is so interesting because in that podcast episode, I point out, I'm like, this is a very interesting kind of shot. It's an interesting transition to show us this photo on the wall that had never been there before in their living room of the Aqua Teens. So it was such a delight to hear Nate explain that a joke he wanted to add to that was having Frylock kind of disappear from the photo because the whole episode is about him dying. But Dave said, hey, you know what? That's a little bit too far and pulled it back. So I really appreciate Nate sharing that memory. And that is such a, a funny joke. And I think would have fit in very well with that scene, but I understand why Dave had them take it out. So thank you, Nate, for that. Always a thrill to get this behind-the-scenes information, and it definitely makes that scene make a lot more sense with what Nate had in mind. So very thrilling to hear that. You know what's also thrilling? Getting nostalgic about old shit that happened years and years ago. So what do you say we go do that? Let's go talk about the pop culture from when Global Grilling debuted. Let's go do it. Still very nice, sing its way all the way to the top of the box office again this week. We have Borat bringing in $28 million. And I want to say it's very interesting because this is about $2 million more than it brought in in its first week. And you just don't see that a lot. Typically, a movie comes out and then when it's on the top of the box office here... If it's on for multiple weeks, it'll make less over that span. But that's not the case here with Borat. And I really think that makes a lot of sense because when Borat came out, most people, especially in the United States, didn't know who Sasha Baron Cohen was. They didn't know what Borat was going to be. And so it still did very well when it came out. Again, it was the top of the, of the box office. 
But by the second week, word had spread on how crazy this movie was and just how you had to go see it because there was nothing else like it. So cool to see here Borat bringing in a bit more money in its second week and still dominating the box office, rightfully so. So, of course, in in Borat, you have Sasha Baron Cohen pretending to be somebody else. It's pretty similar to our top album this week on top of the Billboard charts. Let me put my blonde wig on and let me press play on this song. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days, but not everybody tops the Billboard 200 albums charts quite like Hannah Montana, aka Miley Cyrus, because this week we have the Hannah Montana soundtrack dominating. It's moving over 281,000 copies this week. And in a way, life imitated art here because on the TV show Hannah Montana, she was like a superstar and then the show blew up her music and now Miley Cyrus, she is a famous musician. So how about that, huh? Which I kind of think is pretty cool because so many times in media like TV shows or movies based on what are supposed to be famous musicians, the songs in that media typically aren't very good. Like the only exemption to this I could think of off the top of my head would be the band Death Clock on the Adult Swim show Metalocalypse, where the music actually was good. And in this case, Hannah Montana did sell a lot in real life. It was the top of the Billboard charts this week, so it's one of the few instances where the show or the film or whatever, like, it actually is plausible that that superstar in that world could be a superstar in real life. I'm thinking there is an anime that I really like called Beck Mongolian Chop Squad about this just band of musicians that come together and the music in the show like isn't that good. It is it, it's not good enough to warrant the response that they're getting in the show for how good the music is supposed to be. So, at least in the uh, world of Hannah Montana, it checks out. The one last thing I want to mention about uh the Hannah Montana album is it had some competition this week in the form of My Chemical Romance's Welcome to the Black Parade. Both albums came out the same day, and it was predicted they would be fighting for this top spot on the Billboard charts. And in fact, they were, some would say, this, the original Barbenheimer. And as we can see here, Hannah Montana, she won out over those emo boys in My Chemical Romance. So that is our top album this week. What's our top single? Our top single this week is My Love by Justin Timberlake featuring T.I. And before this, Justin Timberlake had already been dominating the single chart with his little ditty called Sexy Back. That song finally dropped out, and now he's back with My Love. He said, no, 
I get to be the number one song. I'm the prince of 2006. Let me on in there. That's exactly what he did. Now, My Love, I listened to it. I know I've heard it before. And to me, I just don't get the hype of this song. To me, it's kind of boring. Um, (laughs) The lyrics, as in most Justin Timberlake lyrics, are very, very just underwhelming. But the interesting thing about this song is it really did kind of push forward this this genre-bending experimentation that we would see throughout the 2010s within alternative R&B movement because we have these kind of techno noises, we have Timbaland doing these kind of uh, Dirty South drum beats, and then you have Justin Timberlake who is kind of, he's like R&B crooning over the top of it in a way. So the song itself I don't find particularly engaging, but what they are doing on this track was very much new for the time, and I guess because of that it does deserve this spot because there really was nothing else like it. So Justin Timberlake, Timbaland, T.I., on behalf of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force podcast, Dancing is Forbidden, good job, guys. I know you'll be thrilled to hear that I kind of turned around on your song there. I came to appreciate it. They'll just be delighted. So moving on to our top alternative track this week, it is what it has been. We have the boys in My Chemical Romance with Welcome to the Black Parade. We already talked about this song, this album, and we talked about it already on this podcast episode. So MCR, love you boys. Keep doing what you're doing. I know Hannah Montana said, no, you cannot have the top Billboard album spot, but you guys at least get to have the top alternative single spot so hey you can't complain next up we have a bit of music history news here this is important stuff all right so listen up you know britney spears you heard of her before well i'm sad to say that this week she files for divorce from kevin federline after two years of marriage k fed britney they're done they're they're done for they're over with and to contextualize this within the world of aqua teen hunger force They got married the day before the Moonmaster episode aired, which was September 18th, 2004. So they lasted about two years. They lasted between one season of Aqua Teen. Kevin Federline, I only know who he is because of Britney. I feel like we might have talked about their marriage back in the Moonmaster episode. I can't remember, but all these years later, I kind of remember that they were married at one point. So moving on to our video games this week, we've got some interesting games coming out. First of all, we have a little number called Guitar Hero 2 coming to the PlayStation 2. And we talked about Guitar Hero 1 back in the Dirtfoot coverage, so finally we have the second one coming out. The guitar controllers bundled with Guitar Hero 2 would have been the Cherry Red Gibson SG for the PS2, and then the Gibson Explorer for the Xbox 360, depending on which version you got. The Xbox 360 version not coming out until April of 2007, so the 360 version a ways away. So this second game, as you could imagine, did very, very well. I'm seeing here, according to VG Charts with a Z.com, that the original Guitar Hero sold 1.8 million units, while Guitar Hero 2 sold 5 million units. So this is really uh, picking up with Guitar Hero as the cultural phenomenon that it became in the late aughts. We also have a new game, new game alert, Gears of War comes out on Xbox 360, this being the first Gears game And I've only played the newest Gears of War game, Gears 5, as well as its DLC, Hive Busters. So I haven't played this original one, but I really liked 5, and I suspect the original one is probably 
pretty dang fun too. I actually, one of my friends uh, works on the Gears games. He works at the Coalition who makes these games. And I'm always bugging him. I'm going to say, dude, how's Gears 6 coming along? He'll never tell me, but Gears 5, I like it. I got to go back and play all these old games. I think that the, all the Gears games are on the Xbox Game Pass, so I got to check them out. But otherwise, we have one last game I want to talk about, and that game is The Sopranos Road to Respect. This comes out on the PlayStation 2 and only the PS2. It was supposed to come to the Xbox 360, but that got canned because the game got such dog shit reviews and the game just sucked ass that they just canceled that plan. It didn't sell particularly well and everybody hated it. The one thing about this Sopranos game that was good is, as you could imagine, is the voice acting because they got the actual Soprano voice actors on it and they kill it. I would assume the writing is probably the same people who wrote the show, so I think the writing and stuff is good. Really, the problem was just the gameplay. So, you know, you buy a game and the gameplay sucks. I don't think the voice acting is going to really salvage that for you. So, The Sopranos, Road to Respect, not a good game, but based on a very good franchise. So, all right, that is our Pop Culture the Week that Global Grilling premieres look. It's November 12th, 2006, and you are just the biggest comedy fan in the entire world. You don't discriminate. You don't care what kind of comedy you're laughing at. All that matters is that you're laughing. Borat, this is your second week in a row seeing it. You've seen it twice. You love Borat. Check. Hannah Montana soundtrack. God damn it. Yes, you bought it because you love that silly little Disney show. Miley, Lily, Bobby Ray, even Jackson. Yes, Jackson, the 30-something-year-old guy playing a fucking 15-year-old. Even Jackson, they got you hooting and hollering every time you flip past that Disney channel. And you're chuckling yourself to sleep with the dog shit gameplay of The Sopranos' Road to Respect. You don't care what makes you laugh. All that matters is you laugh and you're in luck because tonight you're flipping on Adult Swim, the funniest programming block of the entire week and some laughs you are about to have. Now, before we jump into our lineup here, I've got some stuff really not worth laughing about because Aqua Teen, they're getting sued this week, all right? Thank you, supporter of the show, SwimWiki, for pointing this out to me, because I knew that this happened, I just didn't exactly know when, and this past week, when Global Grilling debuts, is when Aqua Teen gets sued. So if you don't know the situation, let me give you the lowdown. So who is Aqua Teen getting sued by, you might ask? His name is Terry Yerves, and if you are a hawk like I am on the end credits of any episode of Aqua Teen, at least with the original theme song, you will have seen that name because Terry does the drumming on the Aqua Teen theme song. So back in 1999, Terry, he was working with Schoolie D at Meat Locker Studio, and they were writing this music that Terry knew would be used in a TV show. So he wrote that music with Schoolie. I assume he got paid by Schoolie or whatever the, the agreement was. I don't completely know that aspect of it. 
But then, of course, a year later, Aqua Teen shows up on TV in a rough state. And then in 2001, it debuts officially. So now we are five years later and Terry is suing over his usage, like the, the usage of his drumming on this track because he never gave an okay to it being used in Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And more specifically, I'm guessing he didn't really get paid by Adult Swim for this. And you might be thinking it sounds reasonable that he might sue because of this. Well, what Terry was asking for wasn't so reasonable. He was demanding $150,000. That's right, 150000 USD for every time the series was aired after the lawsuit was filed. So anytime after this point he wants 150 grand, he thinks he deserves that. And he also demanded that all existing copies of the series' DVDs should be impounded and for Aquitine Hunger Force to cease broadcast. So, some very extreme demands. Now, my guess here is he was demanding that because it was unreasonable in hopes of like, oh, maybe they'll settle out of court and I can just get some money and that'll be it. And that seems to be what happened because in May of 2007... They settled the case out of court, and the settlement details were never publicly stated anywhere. So we don't know how this resolved other than that it did resolve. But yes, the drummer on the theme song was suing the show. He was, he was suing Schooly D as well as Adult Swim. And I've actually reached out to Terry. I, I asked him if he wanted to come on the podcast, but I only really found his Facebook. And I don't know if he saw the message or not. You would suspect that he wouldn't want anything to do with Aquatine. But I do want to say, like, even though maybe financially he was fucked over, which, I mean, so was basically everyone else who worked on Aquatine, right? And if he has sour feelings about this usage, I just hope that he knows that, like, he played on this song that means so much to all of us, and I really would have loved to have been able to talk to him and, and sing his praises and just get his side of the story. But We'll see if that ever happens, but yes, back in November of 2006, Aquatine, they're getting sued. Jumping into our Adult Swim lineup now, at 10pm, we start off the night with Futurama, Insane, in the mainframe. Of course, not a new episode. After that, at 10.30pm, we get a new episode, the episode we're discussing today, Aquatine Hunger Force, with Global Grilling. After that... 10.45 p.m., we get another Aquatine, the episode, The Cubing. A fun one, we get to see Frylock's bad boy side in that episode. Worth mentioning, we've covered that one on the podcast already. So moving on to 11 p.m., we have Family Guy with Hell Comes to Quahog. This being its Adult Swim debut, airing on Fox uh, not too long before this. 11.30 p.m. gets us Robot Chicken with Anne-Marie's Pride, which is a new episode. 11.45 p.m., we have Metalocalypse with Religion Clock, yet another new episode. And I remember seeing that episode when it premiered, which is why I'm like, oh, I must have seen Global Grilling as well. I must have seen this entire night because I was watching Metalocalypse specifically as it was coming out. And this was my favorite episode of Metalocalypse. It's where William Murderface, the bass player, has a near-death experience, and then he tries to find religion to, like, get meaning in his life. And when I covered Metalocalypse over on the Patreon, this is the episode I intended to cover. However, I found that it probably wouldn't have made for the best podcast episode. And maybe it wasn't quite as good as I remembered it, but still an episode that was very important to me back at the time. 
At midnight, we get Squidbillies with Bubba Trubba, a new episode. 12.15 a.m., Moral Oral with God's Image. You guessed it, a new episode. 12.30 a.m., Frisky Dingo with Kidnapped. Yeah, you're right, new episode. 12.45 a.m., 12-ounce mouse with Meaty Dreamy. This being our last new episode of the night. That makes eight new episodes this night if you want to include that Family Guy, which wasn't technically new because it did air on Fox, but this was its Adult Swim debut. So we have two more episodes after this, not new episodes. We have 1 a.m., The Venture Bros with Fallen Arches, and 1.30 a.m., Stroker and Hoop with The Wrath of Khan Ja, a.k.a. Damn It Mammoth. So that gives us Futurama, Aquatine, Aquatine again, Family Guy, Robot Chicken, Metalocalypse, Squidbillies, Moral Oral, Frisky Dingo, 12-Ounce Mouse, The Venture Bros, and Stroker and Hoop. Basically, the lineup we've been getting. You know what? I'm not mad about it. This is a great lineup with lots of new episodes. Nothing to complain about. What more could you want from your Adult Swim lineup? So what do you say we jump in and we talk about this episode of Aqua Teen, Global Grilling. Get your mucus going. You're going to need it. Check it out. Now, your boogers may be free, but doing a podcast, it's not. Unfortunately, I know that should be illegal. Podcasts should just come right out of your nose, but that's not the case. Luckily for us, we got some moon masters over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden who are foregoing their boogers to send in money every single month to the podcast so that I can keep doing this thing and we can keep talking about the Aqua Teens. This is important work, people, okay? So show some respect to these moon masters. And the moon master we are talking about today. Our most recent sign-up, at least in terms of my backlogged-as-hell shout-out list here, is you know him, you love him, it's Carson. Carson, he's a long, long-time listener, been listening back since the early days. He used to send in some amazing voice clips doing some impressions of characters we know and love. Carson's name dropped all over this podcast. He's always sending in great information. He's got great questions for the fellas whenever we do an interview here. I don't got to tell you who Carson is, but what you might not know about Carson is that he has a really cool animated series over on YouTube called Steve University, of course, based off of Steven Universe, but it's very funny. Carson, he's doing the damn thing. And guess what? Even even your boy's in one of them. Even I'm in one of them. You got to check it out. Link in the description. Carson, not only is he making this podcast better by supplying us great information that is always outside of my field of view, and not only is he supporting the show financially, but he's supporting your entertainment needs with Steve University. Check that out. Thank you so much, Carson. I mean, Carson, again, he's been listening for so long, and it's always one of the best things when somebody who, who listens for so long supports the podcast in this way. It really means a lot. And like, hey... They're still sticking around and still liking this thing. We must be on the right track. If it wasn't for Carson, this podcast would not be what it is. Thank you, Carson. You truly are number one in the hood. G. Coming up next, Aquatine Hunger Force. 
Global Grilling making its Adult Swim debut on November 12th, 2006. This one just rated a TV 14. Uh, really no explanation given beyond that. And I think that's fair. Like, this episode isn't that crazy. There's not a whole lot of bad stuff. But I'm sure as we watch through here, I'll see one thing that I'm like, oh shit, maybe uh, I shouldn't have said that. But yeah, the thing about this episode is it doesn't really rely on shock value or gross-out humor or anything like that like we've seen in some other episodes this season. This one, a little bit more tame in comparison. In terms of our voice crew on this one, first of all, we have our usual fellas. Carrie Means as Frylock, Dana Snyder as Master Shake, and Dave Willis as Meatwad and Carl. Returning is our beloved Schoolie D. He does a little bit of narration on this episode, and our guest voice here as Mucus Man is Roberto Lang, who we will get all into when he pops up in the episode. And I was shocked to learn more about him, so we'll get into that. On the edit here, on the ones and twos, we have Jay Wade Edwards, which is interesting because the previous episode, Party All the Time, was also a Jay Edwards joint, uh, as is this one now. So back to back, we're getting Jay Edwards cuts. And on the edit assist here, we have Justin Rindelsbach. And Justin here, he worked with Jay on Jay's film in 2005, Stomp, Shout, Scream. And Justin, he was an assistant editor on three episodes of Aqua Teen, and it was actually the previous Jay Edwards cut. So it's this one, Party All the Time, the previous one, and then before that was Dickisode, which was another Jay Edwards one. So those are Justin's only three credits on Aqua Teen was doing that. And again, he was working on Stomp, Shout, Scream with Jay around this time. So definitely check out Stomp, Shout, Scream, that film. It's a lot of fun. You've got uh, Ned Hastings from Aqua Teen as, as the lead monster in the costume. There's a little Dana Snyder cameo. It's great. The last thing I want to tell you before we dive into this is Bob Pettit, he gave us a little gift, a little belated Christmas present here. Check the description because Bob sent me something that was just so freaking cool to see. And what Bob sent me was what was titled Global Grilling Anim List 2. And that's not too interesting, but what it is is a list of all of the assets that they needed for this episode. So we see all the animations that they were going to need. We see like the backgrounds and the props that they needed Bob to come up with. We see what these assets were referred to internally. It's just so, so cool to get this behind the scenes look at how Aqua Teen was made. So I will be referencing this list throughout this episode. So you'll want to check that out. I have it up over at the website dancingisforbidden.com, but there's a link to it right there in the description. Bob, thank you so much for sending this my way and for being okay with me sharing this here because this is such a treat to see. So jumping into the episode after the intro, we get an exterior establishing shot of the Aqua Teen's house, and then we go inside, and we just have a close-up on Shake, and you hear, it's really gross, he's like hocking up a loogie and really trying to get his snot out, and I know I said this episode isn't uh, reliant on gross-out humor, I stand by that, like, this is only a, a portion of the episode where it's gross like this, uh, the whole episode isn't like this but yeah we see shake he's spitting into what turns out to be a kiddie pool and this pool is is very small it's in their living room filled up with green mucus 
And it's funny because there's it's like very uh, aquatic themed. There are fish and seahorses on it. It's very cool. I really love the aesthetic of this pool. Uh, if you take out the snot and inside of the pool made of snot is mucus man. Th that's why Shake is doing this. They're trying to make a mucus man, which is kind of like a shitty little snowman just made of boogers. And then at the end of the clip here, Meatwad, he's going to bring out some cheese because they got to facilitate this booger production. This ain't near enough. You need to pick up the pace. I'm going to sit around all day waiting for you to make enough of this. How much snot is this going to take? It really all depends on how tall you want to make your mucus man. I do when I'm tall. Then keep on hacking, brother. I'm seeing a lot of blood now. Do we need to take five? I'm cleaned out. My snot's on empty, man. Cool. Have one of these assortment of cheeses. Gouda, cheddar, provolone. No, no, no. This is not working. I need to be sick. Shake needs to be sick. Off the bat, some great dialogue here, some great pacing. We get this kind of slow reveal on what they're doing. Like, we don't see the kiddie pool full of mucus and a mucus man all at once. That's kind of revealed throughout the clip. Off the bat, some great special effects of Shake hacking this loogie and, like, the spit kind of goes out of his mouth. There is a bit of a discrepancy between the mucus in the kiddie pool, which was an asset done by Bob Pettit, and Mucus Man himself, which was not done by Bob Pettit. It might have been done by, like, uh, Matt Jenkins or maybe a Todd Redner, maybe. And Bob addressed that to me in his email. He's like, yeah, because we worked independently, that's why these two assets don't exactly look the same. Like, they're not the same color, because these two guys wouldn't have been working together, really. Uh, and that's why we get this kind of discrepancy uh, speaking of Mr. Bob Pettit, he clued me into a great joke that we could not see in this episode, but that is there. So we see these three kind of blocks of cheese. There's Gouda up front, then there's Cheddar behind it, and then Provolone behind that. And the Gouda has a label on it. And what we can see, it says genuine farm cheese. And it's pretty nondescript. Like, there's a farm on, on the front. Like, we see a barn, some cows. But there is a block of text that we can't see, and Bob tells me in the email, he says the label reads, aged three months in bat-free caves in Holland. So there's a little joke for you, uh, lost to time until now. I like this little scene, though, because it's just Meatwad and Shake. They're up to some sort of shenanigans. Meatwad is overseeing Shake, who is in charge of the mucus production and on that note, you may notice in this episode, Meatwad and Carl, they sound a little stuffed up. They sound a little bit different. Over on IMDb in the trivia section, it said that Dave Willis was sick with a cold while doing the recording sessions for this episode. And I don't know where IMDb got that info from. I can't corroborate it anywhere. I was like... Should I reach out to Dave and ask? But that's kind of a weird question. Hey, Dave, like 15 years ago, were you sick that day? But, I mean, you could clearly hear it in Meatwad's voice that Dave was sick here when doing this. So I find it a little ironic here that the sick Meatwad isn't the one using his mucus to make a mucus man. But we'll have to look beyond that point. Shake's gonna need to get sick. And what's the best way to get sick? Obvious. Lick something that Carl touched, and that's exactly what he's going to be doing. He's going to be sucking on Carl's doorknob 
right outside his house. Lick that doorknob. And lick it I shall. <laughs> what the hell are y'all doing? We're making us a mucus, man. Don't do that. You don't have all the tools. You need something to heat the mucus so you can shape it. Oh, I do it. Listen, don't tell me how to do it. You tell him how to do it, and he'll tell me. So Shake's going to town in that doorknob, really licking it up. And then when he stops, there's this disgusting, just like big swab of mucus hanging off of it. I want to address Carl's house here, because from what I can tell, this is an Aqua Teen first. And as you know, going through the fourth season of the show here, we are running into all sorts of asset updates. And we have a brand new asset of Carl's house. Now, of course, it still looks like Carl's house. It's just the version from Colin movie film. It's a bit updated. It's a bit more detailed. So we actually did see a super close-up shot of the house in Hand Banana at some point when they have to zoom in on Hand Banana on Carl's doorstep or something like that. Uh, that is the new asset. I didn't catch it in that episode because it was such a quick little shot. But here we can see that his garage has a handle now. It didn't before. The shrubs outside are more grown in. There is a bit of a green kind of grime or maybe moss on the steps. Uh, the grass is much more detailed, which comes in handy for close-up shots. And there are like various stains on the house that are darker. And the awnings above the windows, instead of being straight on like in the original Carl background, uh, they are a little bit turned to our left. So Bob may be playing with perspective a bit more uh, in that shot. So this is a new update to Carl's house, although don't get it confused here because, yes, it's new and improved, but it does not <laughs> look better. It looks, it looks nastier than the original version, which I think is a great thing. Back to the story here. Frylock comes up and you think he's going to poo-poo on their party and shut down what they're doing. But he doesn't. He seems to know what a mucus man is. This is just that amazing Aqua Teen Dadaism where it's just, yeah, the characters just accept what's happening. No, you can't do that to make a mucus man. <laughs> like Frylock comes in trying to help them with this. I love the animation, the look of Shake just going to town, licking up this, this doorknob. Uh, I could make 7,000 jokes about this, so I'm just going to make none because we'll be here all day. I really love Shake's response to Frylock, who comes up trying to help him. Uh, Shake's like, you don't tell me that, you tell Meatwad that, and the Meatwad will tell me that. Like, Shake is so exclusive. But Frylock explains, you need something to heat up the mucus so you can shape your mucus man. Which doesn't really make sense, right? Like, that's not what they need, because they need to make more mucus. That's what they're trying to do. So that doesn't really help them with this conquest. But regardless, we're gonna go over to the Aqua Teen's yard, where Frylock has a grill... It's just a George Washington grill, which is just a grill made out of wood. And then the grates inside are made out of wood. Frylock is going to explain you have to rub them together to get the fire going. With this grill, you can heat and sculpt the mucus into any fun shape. The only limit is your imagination. Hmm. Is that a George Foreman grill? Uh, no. George Washington. <laughs> Couldn't afford the real one, huh? Oh, like you can't. Shut, you shut your mouth. Where's the plug on? It doesn't have to. See? It's made of wood. Wow, wood. Okay, see, so you have to rub the wooden grates together to generate the heat. You have to do it really fast. And it takes a long time. It's environmentally friendly. Yeah, major dick move right there. 
off the bat, I really want to mention the dialogue between Shake and Frylock, where Shake's razzing Frylock, like, oh, you couldn't afford a George Foreman grill, and then Frylock's like, oh, and you can? Shake's like, you shut your mouth. Like, he's so upset by this, and somebody uh, used his insult back on them. A George Foreman grill is... It's really just like a tabletop grill. You use it inside. Uh, it doesn't. It's not a grill with like an open flame. It just like the the grates on either side heat up, and then it just cooks the food that way. It's an electric grill. Uh, my dad had one of these. Like we had one in our house growing up. I can't say I ate a lot of food made with it. I think my dad would mainly use it to make his own stuff sometimes. But George Foreman is a boxer, but he basically just got on to endorse this grill design. He didn't invent the grill or anything like that. But he endorsed the grill, and it just was a hit. It was very, very popular. I mean, like I said, my dad had one. And we were poor. We didn't have a lot of shit. And we had one of those. So that's mainly how I knew who George Foreman was. Something I just found out on Wikipedia, which is funny, is in Asia, the grill is endorsed by Jackie Chan as well as George Foreman. So there's like the Jackie Chan grill over in Asia, which is the same exact thing. So I thought that was pretty amusing. It's looking like the George Foreman grill was invented in Illinois. So uh, that's my home state. So I'm goddamn proud of this grill right here. So they're playing on the idea that, oh, it's not a George Foreman grill. It's a George Washington grill made of wood in the episode here. George Washington, the first um, uh, United States president back in the 1700s. So they're playing on, like, George Washington. The rumor was, or the myth, is that he had wooden teeth, which I don't think was actually true. Um, so that's like, oh, this grill is made of wood, which is very funny. And we could see this referenced in the anim list here. George Washington grill, an all-wooden grill with removable grates that have to be rubbed together to make heat. That's what it's listed as. So some fun dialogue here. Again, I love that Frylock's trying to help these guys out. And on my rewatch, you know, my first time seeing this in years, a long time, I felt like this scene was a little slow. And I want to put a pin in that because that actually, I think, might have been intentional. Shake is not having none of that George Washington grill BS because in our next scene, we immediately cut. They're still outside, but it's sometime later because Shake, he has bought a grill of his own. It's not a George Foreman grill, and no, it's not the Jackie Chan grill. It is the Char Noble 6000. So we have that out in the yard visually. It's this super sleek, futuristic-looking grill. It's made out of, like, pure chrome or something. Uh, very reflective. Reminds me a bit of the Oogie McTag, whatever the fuck, from uh, Season 2, Episode 4, Supercomputer. So Shake's got that. He's showing it off. They have Mucus Man outside. Eventually, Shake will turn this grill on, which when it turns on, it just shoots a, a beam of light up into the sky. It'll start to make things hot. Mucus Man, he'll start to melt. Dudes, check this out! Now, here's what's different about this, my friends. It uses actual pieces of the sun combined with some radioactive vials from Chernobyl. And I know this is interesting also to the ladies out there. It uses it to heat burgers, steaks, chicken, no problem. And best of all, it's not even supposed to be inside this country. This would incinerate mucus, man, Shake. Not on extra low. Samir, got it. 
<laughs> Got to build up in the pit. Ah, hold on a minute, because it's new. There it goes. There she goes. That's that hum. Oh, I love that sound. <laughs> hey, hey, maybe you ought to turn that thing down. Mucus man is melting here. He's not melting. He's chillaxing. <laughs> if you can't speak the language, go back to Mexico, where you were born and are from. <laughs> so much great dialogue there. He's not melting. He's chillaxing. <laughs> I also like Shake's like, I love that noise when he turns the grill on, as in you might say to the sound of an actual grill, which you could have grown up hearing, right? There's no way you'd be familiar with the sound that this fucking grill is emitting. So just so hilarious here. Lots of stuff going on, but I want to talk about this grill, the Char Noble 6000 on the user manual that we see on the front. Uh, that's what it's called. And it says radioactive grill. I don't think we ever hear the word Char Noble in this episode because Bob Pettit came up with that. That was not in the script. In fact, if we check the anim list, all it says is badass chrome grill. All chromes made from pieces of the sun and vials of nuclear material from Chernobyl may need to go close up on dials and settings. So Bob says, yes, I did a few sketches with different names, various takes on nuke, I'm sure, but I can't find them. And they liked Chernobyl the best. This name, if you're unfamiliar, based on the Russian catastrophe that happened in the mid to late 80s where the Chernobyl nuclear power plant had an explosion and it just completely fucked the entire area. So they're playing on that, or rather Bob is. So again, I don't think that they say that in the episode. The grill, again, looks great. It's just very high-tech, ridiculous looking. And we actually see that grill many years later in the 2022 Aquedonk side piece, Breaky B. It shows up as another asset in the episode. So we see it there too. Although it looks to be like a slightly different drawing of it. But here we have the Charnoble. And this will kind of be our villain for the episode because this is going to cause the conflict going forward. And as you can tell already, it's already melting mucus, man. It's making things very hot. I mean, Shake said it's not even supposed to be in the country, and that is for good reason. In terms of the beam that comes out of the grill, like I said, I reached out to Aqua Teen animators Josh Mullinax and Nathan Cherney, and neither of them remembered exactly what happened. Uh, so Nate says, I remember coming up with the beam for the grill, but unfortunately, not exactly how I did it. Maybe a pulsing glow effect on a gradient that was animated inwards? And then he does a shrugging emoji. And Josh Mullinax said that he also doesn't remember. And Josh says, probably some kind of stretched fractal noise animation or something with a bunch of glows and add blending modes. So neither of them remembers, but you get the idea. And also, I just want to say it's a cool effect. I really like the beam coming out of this thing. And I hope you like it too, because we're going to be seeing it a lot this episode. Before we jump into our next clip, I do want to mention, I like that Shake says, like, oh, for the ladies, it cooks all sorts of meats or whatever. Like, in terms of how Shake views women, it's basically they can cook for him like we saw in season one, episode 17's Mail Order Bride, when Carl just wants uh, Svetlana for sex, while Shake just wants her to cook for him. So I like that continuity 
with his character. So going into our next scene now, Frylock is going to try to interact with the grill, but he can't really get close to it because it's so freaking hot. Shake is going to do a bit of a product demo. He's going to try and cook a hot dog by the beam, but it instantly gets incinerated. And then Carl's going to come over to see what the heck is going on. Ow! Damn it, Shake! What is this beam made of? You're noticing the patented flavor beam. <laughs> this injects your dogs, or whatever your meat of choice, with the zesty, hickory, smoky, down-home zest. <laughs> it's good, see? You want more pink in the middle? Should have spoke up, because this will not go backwards. I'm not eating that. You can eat this now, or you can be hungry in a couple days when we run out of money for food. Yeah, I'll eat it. Give it to me. Carl! What in the hell are you doing on our property again? Oh, I just came to see why my doorknob's covered with snot. And then I saw you. And I connected the two. That's right. How do you like your tube stunk? I like to park it in some hua. Yeah! Okay, uh, let, me, let me see if I got one of them. Ah, you set me up on that. It was too easy. <laughs> you grilling? No, I'm curing cancer. Yes, we're grilling. Wow. Damn, putting out some BTUs. I think those... Are those clouds on fire? <laughs> oh, you notice that? <laughs> Don't worry, sir. It's just the flavor beam doing its zesty magic. <laughs> you smell burning hair. <laughs> so that is poor Carl. His arm, like his arm hair is on fire. And also the clouds are on fire, as you heard, because it's so hot from this grill. And those fires, you know, it's our classic space ghost Hansen flame. We just see that flame all over the place in this episode. I love it. I mean, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you know how much I love this little flame asset that they constantly reuse in Aquatine. So I asked Nate and Josh about this because I wanted to know what the flame was called, like if they knew the file name of it, if they still remembered that, and also what they referred to it as, because I refer to it as the Mbop flame, because if you're unfamiliar, this flame originates from the 1999 Space Ghost Coast to Coast episode, Girl Hair. In that episode, they have the band Hanson there, and they go camping with them, and we get like a live-action background with a campfire, and they ended up, when they made Aquatine, keying out that campfire so that they could throw it over things like this. So this flame comes from an episode of Space Ghost, and both Nate and Josh told me that the flame, uh, the file name is campfire.mov, and they would just refer to it as campfire around the office. In terms of filming the flame, my guess is Aquatine co-creator Matt Malero did it because Matt is huge into camping. I don't think Dave is, is as much of a camper, so I will have to reach out to Matt about that at some point in the future to ask him if he remembers filming this. We have some hot dog assets here, and I went through and wrote my notes for this episode before Bob sent me the anim list. So it's funny to see in the anim list, uh, it actually calls... For hot dogs, burgers, grilling meat, in two states, raw and extremely overcooked charcoal burned. Then in parentheses it says, we may have some of these from other shows. And they did, because that's what they use here. The most notable one is we see, just randomly on the ground, a satellite dish with hot dogs on it. And we first saw that all the way back in Season 1, Episode 7's 
old drippy back in 2002 because remember shake didn't clean the kitchen so there's no plate so he has to use the satellite dish from the roof to eat his, his weenies off of so we see that here although it's notably much smaller than in the old drippy episode they just scaled the image down a bit because otherwise it would have taken up too much space i guess we also see they have the phone with a hot dog speared through it, which we saw in Old Drippy as well. I like how Shake at the beginning of that clip, he's kind of going into this product explanation of what the Charnoble is. And Shake does that a lot. He, he loves to be a spokesman and, and to demonstrate products that he has bought. Like we, see that, we saw that in Season 3, Episode 5's E-Dork. He was very enthusiastic about his E-Helmet. So he's always kind of like bragging about his purchases in a way uh, in this manner. Something else I want to point out is, of course, Shake throws that phone down with the hot dog on it, the incinerated hot dog at this point, and it explodes, as you would expect. I mean, this is Aquatine. Because Carl comes up and Shake's like, what are you doing on our lawn? Which is funny because we just, you know, saw Shake on Carl's doorstep licking his doorknob. And at this point... We get a shot back to his door, and there is just mucus hanging off of it, which is so disgusting. So, in the clip we just discussed, the clouds were setting on fire, Carl's arm hair was setting on fire, we now cut to Frylock laying in his bed, you'll see some sweat beads dropping off his face, and we could see out his window, like, there's something going on with the sky, it's just this shade of kind of red and orange... We see it's kind of wavy outside because it's so hot. Frylock's going to get up, go to the thermostat, and Shake will be there trying to make it colder. We will see it reads 242 degrees Fahrenheit, and that is 116 degrees Celsius for the rest of the world. So it's hot as hell. The characters, they're going to talk about it. <sighs> damn it, Shake. I told him not to mess with their damn thermostat. How do I get this to be cold? I keep <laughs> pressing it and pressing it and pressing it, and it won't get cold now. 242 degrees? <laughs> Man, it's insane. That's what I've been saying for the last hour and a half. Why, you've been dreaming a genie. <laughs> Damn it. Maybe we gotta freaking call the landlord. The compressor's on the fritz again. Well, maybe may be gone. I wouldn't go out there. And why not? <laughs> so we get an outside shot of the Aqua Teen's house, and the grill is there, and their house is literally starting to melt because it is so hot outside. And not only is the Aqua Teen's house melting, but we see the SWAT cat's cityscape behind their house is melting as well. And in my email with Josh Mullinax, he mentions the cityscape with the flaccid spires always made me laugh and I didn't even catch that so I'm so glad that Josh pointed that out and yes the spiders on the top they're a little bit flaccid they've seen hardier days the idea is that Frylock thought that Shake had turned the heat up but as we know he's, he he was over there at the thermostat but he was trying to turn it down because it was so hot Shake makes a reference to I Dream of Genie which was a sitcom television series that ran from 1965 to 1970 about basically a man finds a genie and she's like this scantily clad pretty girl and she becomes essentially his slave because he found the genie bottle and she ends up falling in love with him. Uh, yeah, this is from the 60s, remember? And the thing is, the, the genie, she has unlimited wishes for him and sometimes she doesn't even consult the, the guy who rescued her Tony Nelson. 
she'll just do things that she thinks will fix the situation. And a lot of the times it'll make it worse and comedy ensues. I love Shake bringing up this old show since he spends so much of his time watching TV. He certainly would have been familiar with I Dream of Jeannie. I'm seeing now it looks like it's on Tubi. You could watch it for free. Uh, you can't beat that. This is our first time seeing this thermostat, I'm pretty sure. In fact, it calls for a thermostat in the anim list. And it's just a pretty nondescript one. It's, it doesn't go overboard. There's just three buttons on it. Pretty simplistic. And then we can see on the display, it is 242 degrees. In the list for Bob's backgrounds, it actually mentions that it, it's supposed to be 242 degrees. Not sure how they settled on that number, but it does call for a background of the ATHF house exterior, 242 degrees outside. Uh, then in parentheses, burned grass, melted shingles, oppressive sweltering. And again, we saw Frylock sweating. We see all the characters sweating, and that is called for in the original animation. It calls for sweat cycles for Shake, Fry, Carl, and Meat. Then it says, is this something that can be animated and used for all three, or is it an After Effects thing? My guess is this was just added in After Effects. But again, it's hot as hell, and we will see that in our next clip. Uh, they're going to open the door. Meatwad's going to throw a saucepan out or a frying pan. It's a red one. It's going to explode. Shake's not going to be happy about it. Watch this. <laughs> that was my Alton Brown saucepan. I use it to make my balsamic reduction. Damn it. You've seen me do it. Shake, you left that grill on, didn't you? Uh, no. Well, then why is it on? I don't know. It's in self-cleaning mode. No, I think it's in create a hole in the ozone mode, Shake. Someone needs to go out there now. <laughs> and look who I'm looking at. All right, fine. I'll go out there. I need to use the pool anyway. So Shake picks up his shades and his towel. We'll get back to that. So... Meatwad throws Shake's Alton Brown sauce pot out there and ruins it. It just explodes. Alton Brown, you know who he is if you've ever watched the Food Network for more than three seconds because he was the creator and host of Good Eats, which ran for 16 seasons. He is the host of all sorts of stuff like uh, Iron Chef America, Cutthroat Kitchen. He's just super well known within the culinary community, especially on the entertainment side. I don't know that he actually has any, like, sauce spots or any of his own cookware. I'm seeing, because he recommends a lot of stuff that isn't his. So I'm not, like, if I type in Alton Brown sauce pot, I'm finding this quote from this episode of Aqua Teen. But I believe that Alton Brown, I think he's based in Georgia, or at least he was for a period. So cool to get that name drop from Aqua Teen, which, of course, is made in Georgia. But Shake claiming that he would use that sauce pot to make a balsamic reduction, which of course he didn't do. And then he says, you see me do it. And that line has to come from Matt Malero because that is such a Matt Malero line. So funny. You see me do it. They're all just kind of looking at him like, yeah, okay, buddy. I also appreciate the joke of Shake claiming it's it's so hot because the grill is in self-cleaning mode. <laughs> so like if you put an oven in self-cleaning mode or your own grill... Uh, what what that means is it just it just gets super hot, so it burns off any shit inside. Then you just wipe the shit out. But of course, this is just how hot this grill runs. We're gonna see this heat in action now because Shake is actually gonna go outside to try and prove a point. So he's going to grab his shades, 
his towel, and also his green dinosaur floaty. And he's going to run out to Carl's pool. However, Carl's pool is basically melted at this point. There's no water inside of it. So Shake is going to run over there, kind of jump around in the pool, and he's going to run back to the house, and some of his stuff will start to catch on fire. And he'll try and come inside, but he can't, like, open the door, so he'll jump through the window, breaking it, and then he will be sunburned red. Sunblock. SPF 60 for fair skin. There ain't enough SPF in the world to protect you from this. Well, we got all that cream cheese we want to fair. Can you tell us through that? It's worth a shot. <laughs> and it may be the only shot we have. <laughs> or we could just shut the f- grill off. So, as you can hear, that is Shake and Meatwad covering themselves. In cream cheese, because Shake's SPF 60 is missing. Interestingly, I'm not seeing these cream cheeses, as well as the previous cheese we saw in this episode. Lots of cheese in this one. I'm not seeing these in the anim list here. I'm doing a bit of research into sunscreen. For example, SPF stands for sun protection factor, but it's not that straightforward. So I guess SPF 15 blocks roughly 93% of UV rays when applied thoroughly. SPF 30 will shield about 97% of rays, and then SPF 50 blocks about 98%, while SPF 100 blocks 99%. So Shake's SPF 60 would block around 98%, maybe 98 point whatever percent. But when it comes to sunscreen, I know we're getting off topic here, but like, first of all, you have to apply it correctly, and then you should reapply about every two hours. It's not particularly uh, straightforward here. Uh, regardless, I, I don't know if SPF 60 would have really protected Shake from the rays of the grill. Or I guess I should just say ray. But back to the scene here. Something we see throughout this episode, and we saw particularly in the scene where Shake runs outside, is in the Anim List, it calls for an oppressive sweltering. And we see... Lots of waving whenever they're outside with, with the hot part. So both Nate and Josh explain this. Nate says, We used the After Effects effect turbulent displace quite a bit. It came in handy whenever we needed something wavy, whether it was a liquid and needed some movement to look alive, or the whole shot needed some heat distortion, like in global grilling. So that is the effect we are seeing here just applied Everywhere, like outside, it is the turbulent displace effect. To the story of our last clip, though, I really love the back and forth between Shake and Meatwad about, like, we have to cover ourselves in this cream cheese. Absolutely so ridiculous. And again, like to earlier in the episode, with the absurdism of, of Frylock just coming up like, oh, you guys want to make a mucus, man. You got to do this instead. It's the same thing here where these guys just are always kind of yes-anding each other in this fantastic way. To jump back to the beginning of the clip, though, when Shake goes outside, I love how right away his pool floaty pops and then everything just starts burning. He's trying to get everything off of himself while he's trying to get back inside. It's just great. Some, some great uh, animation there of the character, some great 
physical acting from Shake, for lack of a better term, and also voice acting from Dana Snyder as Shake, who is supposed to be burning there. He's just given it his all, and it's totally believable. I'm buying it, at least. In our next clip, a lot is about to happen visually. So, Frylock and Shake are gonna go outside... And then there will be a giant tidal wave, which will come through and just wreck the area and leave the Aqua Teens neighborhood flooded in water, basically up to the roof. Turns out it was a polar ice cap, and we will see some chunks of ice in the water, and eventually we will see Meatwad getting eaten by a polar bear. So he's just on one of these ice chunks with a polar bear eating his head. Meatwad will slowly kind of get eaten throughout the clip, and... Eventually, the water is going to start to boil. Because that grill's still there. It's still on. Will you relax? Look, that thing's going to shut the grill off in like two seconds. Oh my god, it's a tidal wave. I know what it is. Who <laughs> 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 feel that cool water. <laughs> So soothing. Yeah, feel a polar bear up here, <laughs> chewing on my head. Oh my God, this is a melted polar cap. No, no, polar caps are traditionally cold. <laughs> and this, ooh, this is starting to get hot. Oh hell. We've got to get to that grill. I know, you said it like 93 times. <laughs> hey, somebody hurry. Mex Mexicans, they'll do it. They do anything. Who here knows Spanish? Come on, this hair is dark. That's a good thought. I I'm gonna ask him. I'm just catching this for the first time. I never really caught what Meatwad said. He says Carl May, as in Carl may be Mexican, because his hair is dark. Uh, so we'll cut to Carl in a second. First, we have a ton of stuff to talk about here. Uh, we had Shake's second Mexican reference in the episode. But back to the special effects here, because we have this tidal wave come through and leave what is essentially like a small lake in its wake here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sorry, I didn't mean to rhyme. I didn't mean to go sicko mode on your ass. Please don't don't sue me for that. That was that was unintentional. So seeing this, I was just really impressed by the way that they pulled this off. Because remember, Aqua Teen is a cheap show. They have a small staff to pull off all of these special effects. So what the tidal wave seems to do is we see a tidal wave move across the screen. And then just behind it, they leave like a bed of water. Uh, it's just done in a really smart way. I really enjoyed how this was done. And we have Nate Cherney to thank for this. Josh says, Nate was the animator responsible for the tidal wave. I remember wondering how we were going to animate that, and those kinds of shots typically ended up being handled by Nate. Haha. <laughs> Nate says, yeah, I remember being particularly proud of the tidal wave, as we really weren't given any additional assets to work with, so I had to figure out my own way of taking a still image of a water texture and Frankensteining something up. That's what Nate did here. It looks great. Because again, they had such little resources to work with to pull something like this off. But then in terms of the water boiling, Nate says, Another visual effect we relied heavily upon were particle systems, which are a whole big branch of visual effects. Nate says, Back in the early days of Aquatine, we used After Effects' built-in particle effects. I think it was called either Particle System or Particle System 2. 
Occasionally, we would use Particle World, which let you do some more advanced 3D particle effects. Eventually, I'm not exactly sure when, we switched over to a plugin for After Effects called Particular by Trap Code, which gave us more advanced particles and more control of the particles. As for what specifically we used particle systems for in Aqua Teen, that included sparks, squirting blood, smoke, swarms of insects, and in the case of global grilling, we used a particle system to create the bubbles for the boiling water. And for example, in the previous episode of Aqua Teen, this is Ronnie coming in now, we saw a particle system when there were bees swarming around Shake's face and partying all the time when he's trying to get stung by bees uh, to make his hands bigger. So what a particle effect essentially is, is the computer generates a bunch of dots and how those dots should react, and then visually the dots are replaced by something else. So that could be bees, or in this case, some, uh, some bubbles coming up from the water. So all of this is a way to say it's just a trick to make these kind of complicated systems with a bunch of individual assets. In the scene... I love, like, the reveal that the grill is still there heating things up because you think that everything's okay because there's this cold water coming in, which, of course, is a catastrophic disaster. And then it slowly starts to bubble and gets hot, and then we see that fucking grill again, that menacing beam over to the side. And Meatwad, poor Meatwad, getting eaten by a polar bear. I like that Frylock doesn't do anything to stop this. Like, he could explode the polar bear if he wanted to, but they just kind of accept that... uh, Meatwad, he's getting eaten. Something visually that I enjoyed too was when the tidal wave comes in, Shake is still sunburned and he has cream cheese on him. And then after he gets swept away by the tidal wave and then like surfaces, he's back to his normal model. He's white. He's not sunburned anymore. He's fine. We're going to cut over to Carl now because remember the Aqua teams, they want to hire somebody. Shake suggests they hire a Mexican because they'll do anything. And then Meatwad suggests that Carl might be Mexican because his hair is dark. We're inside Carl's house where it is flooded now, and Carl, he's really gotta protect some of his family relics. No, no, no! (laughs) My father's amateur porno! (laughs) I love you, Dad! And all those money shots! So we have Carl in his house, there's the water inside, so there's some tapes that are floating around him, and there's some other normal items from his house that are floating in the water too. We have Carl, he's like holding a stack of VHS tapes above his head, and he's like on his chin trying to like keep his his mouth out of the water. It is such a great shot. We can see too, on the tapes here, we have some uh, curvy uh, women drawings. They're not very explicit. Uh, Of course, they couldn't be. But yeah, Carl's trying to protect his father's amateur porn collection. The way that I interpreted that was that his dad made the amateur porn, but I don't think that's what that is meant to be. I think that these are just amateur porn tapes that his dad bought years ago that were passed down to Carl. And surprising here to have Carl saying how much he loves his dad, if you will recall season one, episode 18's cybernetic ghost of Christmas past... His dad didn't seem that great. His dad made him eat carpet. His dad made him work as an eight-year-old. But I guess Carl, he worked past that trauma and still really came to love his dad. I love you, dad! Bob Pettit clued me in on the thought process behind making this background because this is one of those backgrounds, of course, he had to make for this episode. Bob says, Carl's living room with the floating VHSs. 
I made the water opaque so the animators wouldn't need to animate Carl diving under the water. Cheaper and faster that way. Because we see the water that Carl's in and you don't see through it. You don't see his body underneath the water. It's like a solid kind of greenish watercolor, uh, which is very, very smart on Bob's part. That way they just have to have Carl from like the arms up, really. They don't have to, you see, you don't see his legs kicking or anything like that. And of course, to Carl's voice, you can hear there as well that Dave is sick, busting out the Carl voice. Can't be easy. And you know what else isn't easy? Turning this goddamn grill off because we're going to cut back outside. Frylock's going to be trying to do it, but it's too hot. Shake will be standing on the roof of their house at this point. Meatwad is still on the ice cap. He's just like a little triangle now with a face. Like everything else has been eaten by the polar bear. And I guess the polar bear just kind of fucked off because we don't see it anymore. <laughs> it ate as much of Meatwad as it wanted to and then left. Let's join our heroes and see how surely they'll figure out how to stop this, right? Ow! Damn it! It's too damn hot! Frylock! Use your fries! Use them! That's what I'm doing! Oh! <laughs> well, I couldn't see that from here! Look, y'all need to stop bickering. We just all need to join together and thank God that... You're so an extra low. Hey, look, will you just <laughs> blow it up like you blow up everything else? You bought a grill with a nuclear core shake. That might make us a little bit worse off. Durr. That's why it was illegal. So why can't you just throw it in the spot? Well, I would, but I'd probably be destroyed in the process. So? Throw it in the spot. Yeah, really? What's the holdup? That would suck. I was <laughs> Superman was here. I'd say, hey, Superman, you mowed the lawn while you're here? And he'd be like, yeah, I'm Superman. I know how to work the mower. <laughs> Meatwad here. He just wishes Superman was here. I love Meatwad again. He's like a little triangle. He's got just one little hair <laughs> left on him at this point. It's really cute. And great joke with uh, Frylock's trying to use his fries to turn the grill off. And then shake, use your fries. <laughs> it's like, that's what I'm doing. I don't know how... You Like, Matt and Dave thought of that. It's, like, so funny to me. So, not a whole lot to say about that last clip. Just some great dialogue. So, moving on here, you know, because this is kind of a slow-ish scene there. They're just talking. Well, now something's going to happen because Mucus Man, he's going to burst out of the Aqua Teen's roof. And this time, he's not, like, a cute little snowman-y kind of booger thing. He's, like, a full-grown monster. He has arms, legs... And uh, he's just, yeah, he's running snot, he's animated, he's making a grand appearance. Hey, who bought the grill? <laughs> he did. He did. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome, you just know. This weather's perfect. I can finally breathe and take over your dumbass planet. <laughs> <laughs> so mucus man came to life because of the excessive heat i didn't explain visually but you could probably gather what happened there mucus man says which one of you bought the grill and then frylock points at shake shake points at meatwad and then meatwad kind of takes credit for it after mucus man is like oh thanks and we will see that pay off uh soon but before we get to that i want to talk about the voice of mucus man roberto lang so, Roberto, I, I found it interesting that he did this voice here. I was wondering, what's the story behind that? Checking his IMDb, I could see he worked a tiny bit on Squidbillies. Apart from this Aquatine voice role, he is listed as an additional sound recordist 
on colon movie film for theaters in 2007. And he also was a sound designer and sound mixer on a few episodes of Freak Show, which was done at Radical Axis by the same guys who, who animate Aqua Teen. So I could see he works at Radical Axis, but other than that, I had no clue who he was until Josh Mullinax mentioned in his email that Josh's favorite thing about this episode is that Roberto does the voice... Turns out Roberto is now writing and releasing music under the name Alado Negro. That track, Gemini and Leo, from the 2021 album Far In. Thank you, Josh, for pointing that song out to me. I love it because I've been going through and listening to all of this music on repeat. It's right up my alley. So this doesn't really answer why Roberto did the voice or how that happened. I mean, you know, Matt and Dave, if if they hear somebody's voice that they find interesting or that they like, they'll just throw them in an episode. So I assume that's what happened here. But such a cool thing to see that... After working on Aqua Teen, Roberto went on to just be like this famous musician. I mean, he's signed to 4AD, which is a, a reputable record label. He plays festivals like Coachella and stuff. Like, he's just doing the thing. He is living the life of a musician now. Uh, Roberto also supplied music for like some adult swim bumps and stuff now that he is doing music as Alado Negro. And. Look, I know I'm probably not pronouncing this right. I'm doing my best, gosh darn it. But I do want to say, if if you are of Latinx descent, maybe check this music out too, because he explores a lot of that in his music. He is born to Ecuadorian immigrants. But some great stuff. Check out the music. He's actually releasing a new album about a month from this recording. He's releasing an album called Phaser on February 9th, 2024. So thank you, Josh, for cluing me into this because I had no clue. This is really, really cool to see. And Roberto, this isn't our only musician cameo in the episode. And of course, worth mentioning, he was not famous at this point. He was just working at Radical Axis uh, doing cartoons, as we can see. Uh, we're about to get Schooly D coming in. He's going to be giving us some narration and visually... We're going to get a shot in space of the Earth. A beam is going to come from the Earth. Well, just floating around in space is the poor Plutonians. We will see the Plutonian ship. The beam will go through their ship and explode it, killing the poor Plutonians. So we don't actually see them in this episode, but I love that little nod to them. Twelve years later, these suckers still get pumped. Bitches. So it's 12 years later now. We're going to see the progression. Basically, what's happened is the mucus men have taken over the planet, and we see Frylock, Shake, and Carl all there trying to hack loogies into the kiddie pool we saw at the beginning of the episode. But there's a bunch of other containers around just filled with mucus. We see like a bucket. We see a pot. And my favorite, we see the Battlefield Earth uh, Collector's Cup filled with mucus, this being the cup that we saw back in Season 2, Episode 16's Brood Witch. 
the mucus men, they are whipping the Aqua Teens here to get more mucus. And you know what? Carl, he's not going to take it. No, he ain't going to take it. He's not going to take it anymore. <coughs> Pass me some more of that cream cheese, please. Can't believe they eat this. There's no, there's no nutrition in it. They don't eat it. They make more men with it, Shake. How many times do I have to tell you that? I can't do this anymore. I think a little chunk of brain came out last time. Come on, Carl. You got to. You got to have something in there. You got to blow. Kyle, don't you give up on me. I need you to lick this toilet seat. Come on, it's our only hope. No, I'm totally immune to them germs. I'm not spitting up one more oyster. Today they got to deal with me. On my turn. I do want to apologize. The cup says Battle Star Earth. I forgot. There's this whole discrepancy that we talked about back in the Brood Witch coverage. Visually, we also have like some dirty underwear, a shoe. All of this is detailed in the anim list here for Bob in the original stills that they needed. Uh, it says doorknobs, shoes, toilet seats, anything you could get germs from filled inside ATHF living room because the idea is they're supposed to keep like licking this to get sick to keep producing mucus yeah I think after 12 years you would definitely get immune from this the Carl joke I think was just that he's a gross scumbag so that you know he's immune to it through other nefarious reasons but yeah after a while I don't think that you'd get sick from this I feel like the mucus men they're kind of a little mean. They're they're sitting there whipping Frylock, Shake, and Carl, even though they're doing it. Like, they're making mucus. So I feel like whipping them is a little harsh, but that is the dystopian world that Shake has created here. And you may be asking, well, where's Meatwad in all of this? Well, remember, Meatwad got blamed for buying the grill... That comes with perks, baby, because now he's the king. So coming into the room, we're going to have Meatwad on this disgusting, like, mucus throne. He's wearing a crown made of mucus. His throne is carried by two mucus men. And then on the throne is a really tiny mucus man. And I want to say all of these assets are the same. Even the little mucus man, he's just, like, scaled down. It's really funny. The little mucus man, he will be waving Meatwad with, like, a, a broom kind of thing. Just a means of cooling Meatwad off. What is this dissension in the ranks? <laughs> Someone refuses to blow. And no, I got something you can blow, all right? Carl, no. <laughs> well, why is he the king? Oh, because he is the smartest and best looking, and his wisdom <laughs> led us to this great utopia. Isn't that right, handsome master? Yes, that is correct. You have Shake sucking up to Meatwad here. Of course, whenever Meatwad gets power, it just goes right to his head. It's not right for him to treat his friends like this. I can see him making Shake into a mucus factory. But to do this to Frylock especially, who's always pretty cool to Meatwad. But also Carl, I think, is kind of messed up here. But the power done went to his head. Again, the mucus men think that Meatwad, like, created them. That's why they treat him as a king. Shake sucking up to Meatwad, as he typically does when Meatwad gets power, but Carl, he's not doing it. Well, if you don't listen to the king, there's a price to pay. Mucus men are gonna move out to Carl, and they're going to basically go on both sides of him and then combine into one, encasing Carl in mucus. It's gonna be horrible, it's gonna be a sight you don't wanna see, but don't worry. Turns out, it's okay. It was all Shake's imagination because we're going to fade back to the scene 
where Frylock, we're back at the George Washington Grill. Frylock, he's still rubbing those dumbass wooden grates together. Mucus minions, congest him at once. No, meet what? Please. Fine, I take two of you. Let's go. No, no, no. no. And it doesn't use carbon-based fossil fuels or emit chlorofluorocarbons, or CFCs, which are the main culprits behind global warming. That's why you gotta eat your boogers. Before the mucozoids take over. That's a message I'm spreading to America. (laughs) So, essentially, it was all a dream. None of that actually happened with the grill. It was just shake. His mind was wandering. So that goes back to the brilliance of, like I said... When I was re-watching this, I forgot that this was all a dream. I thought in the episode, all of that actually happened. So when I was watching the scene with Frylock with the George Washington grill, I'm like, huh, this is kind of slow. Well, I guess Shake thought the same thing because Shake started daydreaming about everything else that happened in the episode, which turns out didn't actually happen. So I had misremembered really the entire point of this episode And it was so delightful that I'm like, oh, that scene that I felt was kind of slow maybe was done so for a reason because, again, Shake started daydreaming. So, such a fun turn of events. I want to mention to the mucus men really quickly. I was wrong. There are two mucus men assets. There is, like, the one that we first saw pop out of their house, and then there is one that is a darker color of green And you'll notice the mucus men aren't really animated like the first one was, which it makes sense. That first one was like a big reveal, so they had him just like moving the entire time. That's not the case with these other ones, except for when two of them are walking over to Carl to encase him in mucus. But yes, none of that happened anyways. That grill never existed It was all a figment of Shake's imagination, and he's taking a lesson away from this regarding global warming. You gotta eat your boogers. Shake's gonna run over to the front of the Aqua Teen's house, and Meatwad, he's gonna hold up a little American flag for effect. Our future's at stake, and it's in your nose. (laughs) You must eat your boogers, America, for the sake of your grandchildren's lives. And then that's it. It goes into the credits after that. The credits in this episode are different music. It's the music that played when Schooly D was narrating. So I'll throw that on the end of the podcast episode. And speaking of music, the music we heard there while Shake was giving his speech is called Gossamer, composed by Roger Webb. And we've also heard that music before. Back in Season 1, Episode 12, Circus, when Meatwad is giving his speech to Randy the Astonishing. That is the same exact music playing when Shake just gave his uh, booger-eating speech to us. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside, whether you're white or black or a Our future's at stake, and it's in your nose. You must eat your boogers, America. The last thing I want to mention to the visual effects here is that turbulent displacement effect that was done to make, like, the outside wavy when it was hot out. Josh Mullinax tells me that that is the same effect applied to Meatwad's flag here, because his flag is kind of moving around like he's supposed to be waving it. 
but that is Global Grilling, an episode that for whatever reason I decided that I didn't like, even though I clearly do enjoy it. I don't know why I thought that. I didn't even remember the episode in its entirety because I did not remember that none of that actually happened. I thought that actually did happen in the episode. But before I go on to give you my final thoughts on this one, let's go over and discuss the thoughts about this episode the week that it aired over on the Toon Zone forum. As always, linked to this thread in the description. Overall, the reactions to this one were surprisingly positive, and I don't mean surprisingly in that I think this is a bad episode, because I do not, as you could tell. But by the fact that very rarely are most people on the same page here, especially in season four of Aqua Teen. But there's just so many comments regarding like this felt like old Aqua Teen. So I'll read user Beat said, barring the grossness of the booger people, that felt like old Aqua Teen. Something bad happens. Shake is too lazy to do something required. So everyone else suffers. That's what I want to see. Smiley face. The last comment I'll read would be Classic Speedy saying, My favorite moment was, look out, tidal wave. Totally came out of nowhere. A runner-up was Shake and Meatwad putting on a ton of sunscreen, and Frylock goes, Why don't we just go shut the fucking grill off? Uh, which is true, but of course that wasn't actually sunscreen. It was <laughs> cream cheese. So those are some of the comments I'll read. Again, they're all just pretty positive, like, especially after we've been going through, like, Dickisode and hand banana and party all the time where it's just been so divisive of a lot of people not liking it or or really liking it. So kind of refreshing to see here and just the overwhelming agreement that this is more in line with classic Aqua Teen than older Aqua Teen. In fact, I lied. I want to read Jay Banks 97's comment because they basically sum this up. This could have been a season one or two Aqua Teen episode, and that's a great thing. There wasn't a gimmick, over-repeated joke, or weird character study. This was just classic Aqua Teen. It shows at least they haven't worn out the original concept yet. More like this, please. Four out of five. So Jay Banks puts it well. Like, there's no kind of gimmick to this episode. It's just a classic kind of Aqua Teen episode, which we will see going through the rest of this season for the most part. There are a couple other kind of gimmicky episodes we'll see, but there are more standard Aqua Teen episodes in the bunch too. So again, that is some conversation had around when the episode aired. Link in the description of this podcast episode. You could see that wherever you're listening to this. So to jump in to my final thoughts here, I mean, I kind of said it already that I did write this one off. I didn't remember the twist. So going back and actually paying attention to this one, I'm like, holy crap, this is like the, these comments were right over on the Toon Zone forum that this is in line with a classic Aqua Teen episode. This could have been a season two episode, except there is one thing that I haven't really seen anybody give this episode credit for, and that is the special effects because I was blown away watching this to see during Shake's daydream sequence, it's just like one after another of just more and more special effects. And that's what really drew me to reach out to Josh and Nate because of how much special effects work there was here. In fact, in my email with Josh, Josh says, yeah, Global Grilling was a fun one to work on. I remember it feeling pretty ambitious at the time due to the number of effects and things that we had to figure out. So many effects. All that snot that had to be tracked to shake, all the heat effects and beams, fun stuff. 
So it's because of that that this couldn't have been an earlier episode of Aqua Teen. They could have not done this episode in season one or two because this episode depends on special effects. But here's the interesting thing. There's so much great dialogue here, too. It's not just like, yeah, here's a bunch of cool effects and we're not really, we're going to phone it in on the dialogue because we know you'll be wowed by the special effects. No, we have special effects here really pushing the story along and supplementing just this great dialogue underneath that doesn't really go anywhere. It's just kind of great one-liners and jokes with the special effects and really the Char Noble grill pushing things further. Of course, all of this within Shake's daydream. And speaking of the daydream, I have to wonder if Matt and Dave envisioned this as like a it's all a dream kind of episode, or if they just wrote themselves into a corner and, and didn't know where to go. I thought about reaching out and asking them, but I figured that they wouldn't know. So I'll just write this one down for the next time I get on the mic with them and I'll just slip the question in and see how it goes. Another thing I want to say is this episode to me is reminiscent of Space Ghost Coast to Coast because we have some really interesting sound work here and that we'll have periods of silence, but we'll hear that beam noise. And that beam noise reminds me of in Space Ghost, like when we get a cut of Zorak, we get that kind of spaceship sound. Bob, look at me. Yeah. I'm burning a hole in your head with my mind. We have that kind of noise in this episode, which I thought was very cool. And worth mentioning, guys like Jay Wade Edwards, who edited this episode, worked on Space Ghost Coast to Coast, as well as Matt and Dave. You know that. So another point I wanted to make was I like that in this episode, the only locations we go to are inside the Aqua Teen's house, outside the Aqua Teen's house, and then briefly inside Carl's house, and also briefly outside Carl's house as well. And we don't deviate from the neighborhood, yet the background and the environment is like always kind of changing throughout the episode. So I was really uh, intrigued by that. The Aqua Teens don't go anywhere, but like their environment is constantly changing with with how hot it is, and then there's the, the tidal wave, and then it's, there's water everywhere, but then the water boils. It's just crazy. So, Global Grilling, a super, super fun and interesting episode. I'm just feeling like such a dummy for not rewatching this one more, and this will definitely be brought into the rotation here. So, I think I gotta give this episode four wooden grates out of five. I think it's just solid all around, and I honestly could see this one growing on me even more uh, to rate it higher. But, yeah, I just, I, I can't really fault this one. I really really enjoyed this episode. I don't know what my freaking problem was about it. I think in my mind, I really just remembered the Aqua Teens having to like hack loogies and like fill up a pool and like the mucus men. I really focused on that, like in my memory of it, as opposed to what it is, which is not only visual effects heavy and impressive in that regard, but the dialogue here is just constantly great throughout. So that's is Global Grilling. I really want to thank Bob Pettit, Josh Mullinax, and Nate Cherney for their help on this one, particularly regarding Nate and Josh. This was my first time reaching out to them with a question like this. And for so long, you know, Josh reached out to me in like late 2022, like, hey man, I, you know, if you ever have any questions, feel free to ask. And I never wanted to because I, I would have felt dumb asking specific questions. I'm like, He's not going to remember this, but let me tell you, after what Nate and Josh had, I feel dumb for not asking sooner because they just had pure gold. 
as Bob did, as he always does. And again, thank you so much, Bob, for that animation list. And again, to you listening, make sure to check the show notes or, or the description to to really check that out because it's so cool to see that behind-the-scenes look on on what Bob was provided when he had to make assets for this episode. And, and, and same, I guess, with Nate and Josh as well. Also want to mention that Bob is now on Instagram at Pettit underscore art. That is his username. And he is going to be looking for some global grilling sketches to upload there. And on Twitter as well, I assume. It's the same name on Twitter uh, to share those. So make sure you're watching his social media to see what he's got. Also, you know who I want to thank? I want to thank Carson for signing up to the Patreon and and being such a, a big supporter of this podcast. Again, that is patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. If you like this podcast, then your support over there really goes a long way. And you know who else signed up over there? Of course, we have our Highlander, Nick. There can be only one! There's only one scene in this episode where Mucus Man talks, just like there's only one Nick. And of course, shout out to all of our number one in the Hoodgy tier supporters. Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Robison, Jason, Carl, Leche Ratone, 69, Empower 706, SwimWiki, Carson, Lurvenator, Tegan, Thorin, The Grumpy Dwarf, Garrick, and Caleb... You guys can eat your boogers any day of the week. I'll see you next week when we jump into the next episode, Grim Reaper Gutters. Until then, keep it cool. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Dancing is forbidden.